I need to take a piss and get another beer. Salutations and welcome to another episode of the GNA podcast. Bet you're wondering why Blue Shark sounds so much like Cecil right now. That's because I am Cecil. Dun dun dun! Plot twist. Ah, no, I, Blue Shark couldn't make it tonight. Uh, Zyber was out tonight, so I said, you know what? I've spent enough time off the show. I got to come back, and I actually got to pull my own weight because you know I've been slacking. So here I am staring at two absolutely beautiful men putting stuff to their lips and i gotta tell you i'm, I'm getting a little bit of movement i'm getting just a little bit of movement down here yeah getting a lot of movement now that's that was unexpected <laughs> damoc how you feeling guy oh fuck it's been a while like god damn it's been a couple weeks at least so yeah i'm feeling a lot better i'm not um i'm not dying anymore it's awesome man it's awesome death is but a door, time is but a window. You'll be back. And we're joined by Vintage this evening. Vintage, how are you, good sir? Uh, week's been interesting, Cecil. That's about where I will leave it. Oh, yeah. That's definitely a word I would use to describe this week. And I'm Cecil Xavier, your host tonight. Wouldn't say your host for the most because, you know, Blue Shark's not here and he can't even fit into his shirts anymore. So he's definitely the most. But let's kick into something that everybody wants to know. What is everybody drinking? Um, I'm, since I've been so long off the show, I'm going to start. I'm actually drinking an Arnold Palmer. Now, if anybody's sitting there thinking to yourself, huh, I don't even know what an Arnold Palmer, Palm, eh, Arnold Palmer is. Well, let me break your heart. It's not actually alcoholic. It's iced tea and lemonade. And I am using ginseng, um, Arizona it's, it's ginseng honey diet Arizona tea with just like three, a third of a cup of lemonade in it. And, uh, yeah, it's nice. It's nice. It's refreshing. I, it's, I'm hot. That's one of the big reasons why I'm not drinking is because I, I got home, drove home, mowed the lawn and sold a guitar, sold an amp, came right back here, plowed down some food. And now I'm sitting here and I'm like, I just, I don't have the, I don't have the energy to drink right meow. But I will tell you this. I have got this beautiful, beautiful bottle of scotch in my hand. Single malt scotch. It's, it's uh, Glen Keith Distillery. It's 24-year-old 24, 24 scotch. It was bottled in 19... Or sorry, it was distilled in 1995. And it was put into the cask uh, August 11th. It was pulled out and bottled August 11th, 2019. Um, pull it up on camera, you guys can't see, but... Uh, yeah, I am super excited. I, I looked all over. I could not find this in the United States. So it's another one of those bottles, Damoc, that you just can't get here. Yeah, dude, I'm uh, I'm pretty jealous. Uh, I might have to come down there and have a, a you know half a finger of that. I, I was gonna say I am definitely going to break this out for uh, for the good good times because this is this is my good bottle of scotch. I haven't had a good bottle of scotch in a very very long time. This is my good bottle. 
What are you drinking, Vintage? I'm definitely going to have to have that, too. Mm. Oh, yeah. Uh, please tell me how it is. Please tell me how I taste. I, too, am the age of that bottle. <laughs> really? Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. You see, that's, that's a weird one to swallow, isn't it? Wait a second. You were born in August? Eh, close enough. I would, June of 96. Okay. No, that is close enough. I'll, I'll, I'll take that. That's definitely close enough. Yeah. So that sat in a cask for the whole duration of my life. If you ever want to feel useless, just think about that. That's actually going to be enjoyed. <laughs> well, I'm not. <laughs> I'll at least enjoy the taste. I can't say that I would enjoy the taste of you. No offense. But, you know, you do have... Don't knock until you try it, Cecil. I was going to say, you do have that face framed thing going on. And, I mean, I got my nipples are hard. They're just, they are. What are you drinking, man? I don't blame you for that one. I am, uh... I am having an Alesmith Brewing Company Speedway Stout brewed with coffee. Now, I made a horrible, horrible mistake when I poured it, and I forgot to read literally the last line on here that says, This beer ages very well and will continue to mature for many years to come, and I only have one of these. So, I ran into the... uh, the worldwide stout conundrum and the 120 no, minute no, no. conundrum. No, I'm, I'm enjoying this. That's no, not a fuck I'm up. enjoying this, but I wish now I had bought in two cans. Okay, wishing that you had bought in yes. two cans is okay. This was but almost nine dollars for a can. Not a fuck up. No, it's almost nine dollars a can. Actually, I wonder if it says on here when it was canned because then I might be getting a little bit of a break out of this one, but. Uh, Anyway, the important thing is it tastes amazing. Um, think spring water, kind of smooth, a uh, little bit of maltiness on the tip, and as it goes down, it's nothing but toffee, coffee, and chocolate. Very smooth, very rich. I like that it's flavor forward, and you get all of that on the nose, and absolutely no aftertaste, which I'll take no aftertaste over a bad aftertaste any day of the week so this this thing is absolutely excellent i'm very happy with it sounds great man and it feels good in my mouth it sounds great it sounds phenomenal what about you damoc what are you drinking over there uh so i have not been drinking during the week and i've decided to drink only on weekends and mostly only on fridays so i decided to treat myself with a little bit i got a little bottle of mccullin 12 which you know great scotch it's a good everyday drinker, and as you guys can see, like, eh, I might have drank a little too much already. Been trying. That's to... the double oak twelve, right? Yes, if I remember correctly. Double yes. cask. Mm. Yep. 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 So my a... uh, my uncle got that for me uh, for my birthday last year, and that bottle did not last the weekend. <laughs> so good. Yeah, this this little bottle right here isn't lasting the night, and uh, it, it's good. I also bought. Two other little bottles of scotches. I decided to spend the amount of money I would spend on a big bottle on three little bottles so I can have some fun. But I'll break those out next week and uh, we'll talk about those. But, I mean, McCullin 12, if you haven't had it, it's a great everyday sipper if you're drinking scotch. I really, Come on, really tell, enjoy tell me it. about this. Is it peaty? Does it, uh, you got some notes in there? You got like apricot? What do you got? What do you got? So, sadly, I decided to drink, or, or sorry, not drink, but I ate a whole bunch of that Netflix and chilled ice cream. Oh, you can't <laughs> so, taste anything. Uh, 
<laughs> yeah, it fucked my taste buds up a little bit because it was peanut butter, salty pretzel brownie. Oh, God. And yes, and I was like, wow, um, I probably should not have cracked open this bottle of decent scotch. But no, I mean, McCollin's not really on the peaty side. It's more on the smooth side overall. It's a good sit down and sip during the week. Uh, not very expensive, not very exquisite, but really good and really smooth tasting scotch for, you know, an everyday drinker. If you're trying to go for something special, then obviously what Cecil got or the Cooper's Choice that Cecil also got me uh, would be a really good special event. Yeah, I'm actually... Yeah, I like that Metallin 12 a ton. That's... You're 100% right, Damoc. That is an easy sipping scotch, which is hard to... Which is a combination you don't hear very often. That's probably the best bang for buck scotch you can buy that you will enjoy every sip of. And you won't think twice about the price, which is what I like so much about it. And I like that it's ever so slightly smoky without being peaty on the nose. That's one of my favorite parts about it. It's because I love peaty scotches. I've got a bottle of Ardbeg Corvrecken downstairs, which according to everyone that I've had <laughs> had try it that doesn't like scotch, it smells and tastes like jet fuel. So... That's my one of my favorite things to go to, and I still love that Macallan because you get a little bit of that hint of, yeah, it's still a peaty scotch at the end of the day, but it's remarkably smooth for having even any peat in it. Very nice. Well, let's kick into State of Games here. Um, State of Games. State of Games where we talk about games, uh, what games we're playing, or we just pontificate on how we feel games are just in general. So let's reverse that back around. Damoc, what is your State of Games there, guy? Uh, well, I fucked up a lot this week. Like, I'm like $400 in the hole. <laughs> I bought the Warhammer 40k oh Indominus set. I went through. <laughs> yeah, I bought the Indominus set. That's a $200 box. I went and bought more paints and stuff that, you know, cost me another 100 bucks. I started looking into airbrushing things that are on their way. <laughs> like, son of a bitch no um i haven't really played a lot of pc gaming or a lot of mobile gaming honestly this week i've been pretty focused on getting the necrons taken out of the new indominus box put together primed and i'm just starting to paint them uh so i i haven't played any games but i am doing something gaming related just more no dude you know what that counts that counts as playing games because you're you're painting figures and and dude like I when we say state of games usually we're referring to video games but really any games I think counts on that board games hell even card games which when you get to me I'll be tapping into that but uh, ah tapping uh, good one vintage what's your state <laughs> of games there man yeah speaking of uh, tapping uh, I decided well, I've still yet to decide whether or not this was a good idea or a bad one to get back into magic. A and, terribly good idea. Ooh, ooh. I'm having so much fun. Uh, I started off by buying one of the Ikoria Commander sets and doing like $10, $15 worth of upgrades to get a couple extra creatures and an enchantment or two in there. So 
that that I've been having a lot of fun with. I bought one of the new Challenger Final Adventure decks, which I've also made some upgrades to, and I have a couple more that arrive next week. I am just I'm going full fledged into this to the point where I literally sent my buddy who got me to to start playing again. I was like, hey, guess look what I just ordered. And he goes, why did you order 82 cards? Because I'm building another deck and I'm upgrading another two other decks. Why do you think? <laughs> so I'm, I'm going full-fledged in. But the best part is if you're smart and you're picking the right cards and you're not trying to hurt yourself a little too much. I mean, I got all 82 cards for $33. So that's a full other set plus upgrades. That's great. My problem when I get into uh, when I get into trading card games is that I I get more of a rush out of the opening blister packs than I do about beating my opponent. Yeah, yeah like that, oh, there's I just that, that feeling when you crack open that blister pack and you're like, what did I actually get? And then you open it up and you you know, out of three blister packs, you really get one card you're actually looking for, and the rest of them are just stuff that's going to sit in a box somewhere. And it's just it's it's hilarious because you know what I mean I enjoy playing Magic and I I I I enjoy playing a lot of trading card games but I really like like beating somebody else at it okay if I beat you I beat you if I don't I don't I like trying to explore and play combos yeah that's I like yeah. it's a fun game at the end of the day yeah like I've played with people that are super competitive like. They've got to have every every top tier card, every top tier combo that's out there on the internet, and they've got to play them and they've got to crush because they they're going to go to a tournament and they're going to they're going to win so much money and all this other crap. And it's like, look, dude, I'm here to just hang out and play. If if you're going to do that, then I'm going to do that, and then you know it's just going to be it's going to be a really crappy time. Yeah. See, I remember opening blister packs of cards way way back and that was so satisfying oh, yeah. that you know I really couldn't afford to buy boxes of them except for the really cheap baseball cards and they came in that black box and they were like I don't know original baseball players that their cards weren't worth shit so the boxes were only like 20 bucks and they came with like the 40 blister packs and you're like yeah and you start opening them and it was just fun to go through and be like oh this is great I have no idea who these baseball players are I just really enjoyed opening blister packs thank god I grew out of that the best part about holding those older ones, though, those older packs, and then all of a sudden you recognize you'll get like a Hank Aaron or a uh, or a Joe DiMaggio or a Ron Guidry, something that's like so far back and like a Hall of Famer. And you're like, holy shit. Yeah, I recognize this one. This is worth anything, but it's worth a lot to me. <laughs> you know, uh, some of those cards... Uh, 10 years down the line turned out to be worth a little bit and I probably shouldn't have sold them but at the time I was just like yeah I really need money and yeah I sold probably a hundred of them and I think I maybe got 60 bucks which you know at the time I was like hey man 100 fucking cardboard cards for 60 bucks I'll take it but you know they're probably worth something now but yeah oh well. I'm in a I'm in a weird place now so I've I've already since I got back into it about a week ago, I've spent a total of $300. But in terms of some of the cards I've gotten, and I'm talking specifically the cards that are not in a deck right now that I don't plan on putting in a deck unless I really luck out on other boosters or other packs I buy, I've made my money back technically, given the market value of some of those cards. Like I had a buddy of mine, it's like, I just ordered 
one of those cards and it wasn't even a foil edition for $20 and you got it in your first booster you bought. Yep. I'm like, yes, yep. I did. Fuck off. It's So I'm immediately going to use that $30 that the foil's worth, not sell the card, and <laughs> buy a book to put them all in. <laughs> yeah. See... I mean, at least when you come to uh, trading card games and all of that, you can sell some of the cards for money. Here I am with a shit ton of Necrons Dude, and Space There's a market for those, man. Just, there's a market for those. Uh, I didn't think that there was until I started talking to, well, you don't know him, but he's uh, he's the, the guy who took over now at, at DECA. Um, I don't want to use his real name because I I, I, you know, I don't want to skeeve him out or anything, but uh, he's, he's the guy who took over for the... Uh, Initials. JB. Initials are the right to do it. Um, cool. And dude, like, I, I thought, you know, I always thought figurines, you buy them, you paint them, that's it. They're yours now forever. But dude, like, he started, I, him and uh, WL were telling me about this market for painted figures. And there's, there's like, a huge market for them. And I didn't know anything about it. They started showing me websites. It, like, I was blown away. Yeah, so I've seen that, and especially, I, I don't want to advertise the site because I know they don't sponsor the podcast, right? But, uh, like, Fiverr, oh, yeah. you can go on Fiverr, and you can actually make a, a decent amount of money when you do that kind of stuff. And you can say, hey, I'll paint five whatever figures in three or four color schemes for you know 30 bucks and you provide the figures or if i provide the figures it's 30 40 bucks plus the cost of the figures yeah i've seen a lot of that uh, i do watch a lot of painters and i know that there is a commission painting but my colorblind ass just uh needs to figure out what i'm doing first before i can get in there yeah, dude, I, I and I'm all you know what I'm all for Fiverr like that. That is a, that is a website that I will pump out on the show because we've gotten stuff from Fiverr here. Um, in fact, the what you're you see that painting behind me? Well, it's not actually a painting. It's a digital drawing on canvas or on vinyl. Sorry, that came from Fiverr. Uh, there's been plenty of pe- there's been plenty of people on Fiverr. I've got another Love thing it. commissioned already on Fiverr. There's just a lot of really cool stuff. It's it's a great place for artists to go. Um, I mean, it's it's a blessing and a curse because there's so many artists that it's actually competitive. So the artists that are good, that aren't well known, they got to go in the pond with everybody else. That means that they got to be competitive priced. You know, it's not like Jim Lee's not jumping in there. Alex Ross is not jumping in there. Um, but I can tell you right now, if Alex Ross jumped on Fiverr, I would be the first guy in line to get something from him. Like first guy, I would be, I would be people's elbowing other people to get them out of the way. Like, I'd be going full on WWE on people to get, get to get first in line there. Anyway, um, my state of games. I have actually been uh, I've been away for a while. I have not been playing almost any games. Uh, it, it's a sad state of affairs, at least video games. However, what I have been playing. Well, hold on before I go. Go ahead. What do you got, Vintage? So a, a few minutes ago, I kind of just like flexed and showed how many extra cards I have that aren't part of any decks. And I just happened to like really quickly go through them. And realize there's like five cards in there that could have saved me at least $10 on the deck I just purchased. That's the weirdest and worst feeling. And I and I know that that's not going to be the end of it. Because I just went through and I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with the price of buying all this right now. And then I didn't take the 30 seconds to go through and 
double check if I even had any of those cards. So, yeah, Cecil, I'll let you get back oh, to your state oh, of games. I just, I just wanted to share. Yeah, sharing your shame. I wanted I everyone it. to share in my misery. <laughs> um, so actually, I actually haven't been playing almost any video games. I've, I've literally only been in front of a computer for work, uh, whether it be schoolwork or work work. And not by choice. I love being in front of computers. I love computers. Um, I can be at a computer for 12 hours a day at work, come home and sit in front of a computer for another 10 hours, crash a couple hours, get up and go to work again and do the same thing. Uh, you know, I'm weird that way, though. No, but I just I haven't uh, I haven't been afforded the opportunity. So I have been playing some other games. Uh, I've been playing some tabletop games. I've been playing uh, actually. So I played Rummy for the first time in a while. You guys, you guys know Rummy. Yeah. Well, don't play Rummy with my wife. Okay, Lex, Lex. <laughs> yeah, that's what they say about some of my family members too. Don't play rummy with fucking Aunt Margaret. Dude, dude, like, I'm you, telling you, you're fucked so up, man. Don't even try. Bot and Lex, we were all sitting around a table playing some rummy because I was like, yeah, let's play some cards. Let's play a card game. I'm like, what do we want to play? My daughter drops up rummy. Yeah, sure, let's play some rummy. My wife is ruthless. I literally fought tooth and nail and i'm dude i'm competitive at tabletop games i am super competitive especially at cards my grandmother made me that way i am fighting tooth and nail and i'm like i'm smack talking at the table like that's how bad it is i'm like this next hand is mine you are not getting it i'm shutting you down i'm stuffing you this round and like literally i'm smack talking while she's kicking my butt while she's crushing me i'm smack talking that's how bad it is uh played some rummy Actually, we got back into a game of Zombie Side, which we haven't played in a while. I really enjoy Zombie Side. In fact, they were the first mini figurines that I think I ever painted. Like, other than some stuff I helped somebody up in New York, but actually painted myself. I, I actually painted uh, about a third of the set of figurines for Zombie Side. And you can see I progressively got worse as I painted. Um,. <laughs> there's there's some pretty bad ones in there like there there's some pretty hard ones that's why when you're like talking about air, dry brushing and stuff i'm like i have to learn that technique because all of my stuff literally looks like it, it looks like they were in a paintball fight okay let's just say that it looks like they were in a paintball fight dude dry brushing is the easiest thing you buy old ass or not old but you buy cheap ass makeup brushes you dip you take a paper towel, you dry most of it off, and you swipe, 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 swipe. Okay, that looks good. Next one, swipe, 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 swipe. That's it. Dry brushing is the easiest fucking thing that I've ever done in my goddamn life, and it looks so fucking good when I put it on minis. So correct me if I'm wrong, dry brushing is just, it's that final little thing where you take a brush that has no paint on it, no water, no nothing, and it's just to add some depth and texture, right? To an extent, right? Uh, I don't do it as a final thing. I use it as the the main. So I'll do the base coat, right? Or I'll do you know the primer spray, the base coat, and then I'll do some dry brushing because I do not like edge highlighting. I'm not going to take a tiny little fucking paintbrush and mark out all the lines to make everything good. I will take a dry brush, I will dip it in paint, I will then go over a paper towel, and I use a circular motion. Some people use an X motion, some people do up and down and all of that. I use a circular motion with the paintbrush, right? And then when I get it there, I just, mm, just plow it all in that fucking model and you go from the top down with brush strokes to get that fake lighting effect and all of that and you know whatever you're dry brushing it looks good and it makes the the armor look 
battle torn a little bit. Like it's got a nice little sheen to it. Well, it depends on what you're dry brushing, right? But you can give but it a, a little something torn. along those lines. Like it was yeah. worn, but regardless of if it actually saw combat or not, that's not the point here. Is the fact you're trying to show a worn piece of armor. Yes, it's a, a worn out piece of armor. It gives it the little nicks and gritties and it looks like it's kind of scratched on in places like, oh yeah, you know, they've smashed through a fucking brick wall or two and hey, it you know, it's a cheap way of doing the edge highlights, which I'm not a fan of. And like, if you look at Ko and all of his stuff, he does that. He takes it and he edge highlights everything and his shit looks immaculate and I love it. <laughs> But it's not for me. I just can't do it. Well, that's so why I, I stick I dry brush really instead. have not done much. We played some board games, played some card games. I'm really excited about getting back into a couple of games here. Uh, I'm I'm just... A, what? What? Canasta. Yeah. Have you ever played Canasta? Dude, we should. Dude, we should get together and play Canasta. I'll, I'll, I'll bring some scotch. We'll play some Canasta. That's a game that I can get a little ruthless in. That's a family game. We play Schaefer Rules, man. See, so I'll play some magic with you. Oh, God, dude. I, I don't even have any magic cards left, man. I, I Doesn't matter. Magic the Gathering Arena. Oh, yeah. Free. And right now they're doing a color challenge event that they actually have not announced an end date for. Dude, don't they, don't they know Black Lives Matter? And you just have to matter? play five, win, uh, win four matches and play a fifth with every deck. And they'll give you, like, half of the legi- the best upgrades for those mono decks, which is actually kind of cool. And then every... Five wins. Well, the first after then you get five wins online. They give you another deck, and then you can kind of reacclimate yourself. Well, I have got to finish out what I've got on school since I'm at the tail end of my last task. So until I get that done, I won't be playing any video games. Um, but I will keep that in mind so that I can kick into that as soon as I get a chance. And remember, it's all digital, and you don't have to pay for it if you don't want to. You can literally earn uh, earn booster packs for the current season just by playing. Yeah, which is great. Yeah. Like like most free to play games now, they give you that incentive, which is cool. But they give you the pay to win option where you can just go in there and pay as much as you want, get all the cards. I, I like it. I actually like. Yeah, that and that's the thing. What I like so much about Magic though is it's not always pay to win. I know I could I found myself the other day playing against a guy that just from my personal experience I knew it looked like he was running a 200 plus dollar deck and the deck I was running was maybe worth like $23 most but 60 card magic games are done within 10 minutes on average and your whole goal is to end quickly with certain decks so I just happened to get a whole field flooded and win in like three moves. So that was so great. All right, look, 10 minutes, that's like nine minutes and 30 seconds of cuddle time. Just saying. Oh, yeah. No, you know you're going to lose a magic game nine times out of 10 if you don't draw the card you need within the first two turns. That's that's what makes 60 card interesting and also completely unforgiving. Because I know with all the decks I like to play, if in the first two draws I don't get one of three cards, I'm playing catch up for the rest of the game and I'm probably going to lose. That's why I actually started playing Commander. My friends got me into playing that new variation of it, which is a 100 card. You have a card that is your Commander that has special abilities to play and doesn't actually go to the graveyard or exile when it dies. It can be replayed, which is kind of cool. But what makes it unique is outside of basic lands, you cannot have any duplicate cards in the whole 100 card stack. 
So it doesn't matter what your first 10 hands give you. You're not you're probably going to end up going 20 or 30 draws in a game like that because you start with double the health and no idea what you're going to be drawing because it's not like there's a one in 12 chance that you draw one of the four creatures you're looking for. No, it's one in a hundred. You're drawing the exact one you want at the exact time, which is kind of fun. All right, well, let's kick into some news here. We've got a bunch of articles to get through, and we've got really very little time to because I have got other engagements I have to get to, and that's on me. But let's kick into the first article here that I want to jump into. Did you guys see, like, you have you guys ever followed Gabe before? Um, Gabe Newell, about his... Uh, uh, Lord Gabe. Yeah, about his uh, opinions on, on Xbox. Like, this dude, from all I can remember, is he does not like Microsoft. No, he's a former Microsoft employee, and he was not a fan of Microsoft at all whatsoever. Yeah, did you did you read what he said? Absolutely, I'm the one that posted the article, I believe. Well, have, so, actually. yeah, uh, Gabe has come out and absolutely said that he believes that the Xbox Series X is going to be better than the PlayStation. Now, he did not go into deep detail, but uh, scratching the surface of it, he believes that because the hardware is arguably at this point the exact same they're running the same processors they're running the same gpus even though they have quote-unquote different series of the gpus they're running the exact same hardware he believes that uh xbox has it because they are going to bring more than just gaming and they're going to bring home theater where home theater is really getting very, very big, especially with all the streaming services out there. Uh, so he believes that Xbox Series X is going to be better than PlayStation 5. Now that is an arguable point across the board because as we sit here and talk about being gamers, I know Cecil, you're a big PlayStation gamer because you play some of those exclusive games. Uh, me personally, I'm not a console gamer, but I am hardcore leaning into buying a new Xbox because it meets what I want it to do, and I don't care about the exclusive games. Um, I agree with you, Damoc. At the end of the day, I think one of the most important things with the Xbox Series X is Microsoft is doubling down on the fact that this system is your last thing you need to buy to complete your home theater system, where last year it was kind of up in the air... They threw a 4K Blu-ray drive in it, and everybody was kind of was initially on the fence about having a system that's supposed to do your streaming, your gaming, your Blu-ray watching. And I think now with the environment we find ourselves in, less is definitely more. And the last thing I'll say before I pass this on over is to play devil's advocate for just one second. Is it possible that Gabe is saying Series X is going to be better because Tim Sweeney came out swinging saying the PlayStation 5 was the greatest next generation system, period? Just just the thought. Now, I want to point out only because I've been a console player for a while, so I've, I've followed consoles for a very long time. It's really funny that Microsoft is toting that now because back when PlayStation 3 came out, that's what Sony toted was that this is going to be the multimedia device this is going to be the this is going to be the end all for your entertainment center and then when it came to the next generation you know xbox just said yeah we're just giving you like games and stuff dude just play and I, and, and they they won out they did really well 
the next generation came out and PlayStation and Sony just said, dude, all right, we're giving you games. It does a bunch of other stuff too, but we're giving you games. And everybody's like, oh my God, they're giving us games. And Xbox is like, uh, we're going to try to do some stuff. And, but here, just PlayStation, you just go, you're doing well. You do your thing. And now it's just, I find it funny that two generations ago, compared to what's coming out, you know, two generations, that's what Sony was doing. And they got hammered like so hard. And I really think that now, I think I think Sony was just so far ahead of themselves. They saw the writing on the wall, and they just didn't they they didn't have a way of communicating it correctly. They also didn't have the technology at the time. The apps and stuff weren't there. But I think they saw the writing on the wall. Um, I think Vintage he had his hand up first. So yeah, I'll make this quick. Um, I think the big problem with the PS3 was it was wrong oh, place, oh, yeah. wrong time. The PS3 was a tremendous system with amazing exclusives. And at that point, it was it was starting to rival, just at the barely starting to rival Xbox Live in oh, no, terms of its online platform. <laughs> but now you see play, you see Sony as a whole. They've got for in terms of bang for buck for quality, they've got some of the best TVs you can buy. They obviously want to then pair it with a PlayStation Four and now a PlayStation Five, and then they want to pair it with a 4K Blu-ray player, which is so much better in terms of its quality and audio output ability than any standalone console where that's a secondary feature could ever be. And that's the thing. When PS3 came out, Blu-ray players weren't crazy expensive. You're talking maybe $50, $60. Now, 4K players are $120 plus on average. So Xbox kind of found a great little way to jump in and say, hey, we got a 4K Blu-ray player in addition to our game system. Uh, I mean, you're right in a, in the terms of Sony came out with a PlayStation 3 and said it's going to be the all-in-one, be-all, end-all entertainment system, and it was too early for its time. Look at oh, yeah. the Dreamcast. The Dreamcast was by far the best fucking system that you could Favorite buy. Favorite console ever. But too early for its time. Mm-hmm. People did not adopt it. PlayStation then tried again, they didn't adopt it. Now, what are we looking at? I mean, okay, we had the rise of Netflix. Cool. But now, how many streaming services do we have? Xbox going after the streaming service oh, yeah. as well as the gaming service. And let's not forget that Xbox bought, or sorry, Microsoft bought 30 different game developers over the last five years. Straight bought them. They are owned by Microsoft now, and we haven't seen anything from those big developers yet, and they may be pushing out some very good exclusives. Now, PlayStation is going to be good because it has some really good exclusives to itself, and that's going to be fantastic if you can get over the looks of it. And the looks, (laughs) I'm sorry, I won't go into it, but yeah. I agree with you completely. It's a wireless router from about eight years ago. The only, the only point I was trying to make was that, you, and you're absolutely right, Dreamcast was the superior system, but they Sega did a lot of things wrong with the Dreamcast. More more than more than just them being too far ahead. They they had some they had some things wrong there. But this is the point I was trying to make. Can we just can we take a second and point out the fact the wire for the controller came out the bottom? That seems like such a simple mistake. Why did they make it? But just I was trying I was just trying to make that, you know, it's 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 I find it humorous. I, I it's I think it's it think it's a good thing that we're finally there that that us as consumers have finally made it 
to where visionaries from what a decade ago over a decade ago visionaries from that time for so long ago saw all of this coming down the pipe but you know that it, 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 it's it's like having this great idea and there was no way for them to actually vocalize this and say this is a great idea and it was just they started blurting things out and they started just like having a fit of Tourette's or something and everybody started laughing i just i find it funny i'm, I'm super glad that we've made it to that point, that stage now that, it, that we finally as consumers have accepted that and we've embraced it even, you know, with the rise of Netflix. But uh, I just, I find it funny. Um, and to, to be honest, even though I'm a PlayStation, I, I've, I've played Sony forever. Uh, I'm really interested in the new Xbox, not because of its looks. I mean, and honestly, it, it looks like it looks like one of those store-bought NASs that you get and you just throw in the corner, plug it in, turn it on and and one it looks like the NZXT H1 small form factor PC, which I have, by the way. It literally is this almost identical dimensions. And that thing is meant to be like a beautiful little centerpiece, whether you put it on its side or vertical to like stand out. That's the Just whole what point I mean, of it. Is that it looks like one of those things that you throw in the corner, turn on, and you forget it's there. And five years later, you can start digging through, and you're like, what the hell is this? You unplug it, and somebody in the front room screams, I, I'm not watching my show anymore. And you go, oh, that's where I've been putting all that. Those those people oh. that used to have TiVo, man. Uh, my my aunt and uncle still have a TiVo, and they're like, man, we just got it upgraded. It's got a one terabyte hard drive. And I was like, that's it? You were recording all your shows on a one terabyte hard drive? Oh, fuck, man. I got like six terabytes, and that's not enough. Yeah. I need to get like nine more of those damn things. Have you not heard of the cloud? Have you not heard of the clap? I mean, isn't that what most DVR services now is? They effectively have like a storage limit, but that's literally just in terms of like how what a box could effectively do with the RAM it has. But in reality, it's effectively infinite. Now, when it comes to TiVo, there is a big difference. Apparently, uh, I, I was talking to my uncle about it, and he had a lot to say. And as far as the cloud stuff goes, the cloud downgrades everything by AI scaling downgrade. Um, and then you have very limited space, and it's very, very expensive to upgrade your space on a TiVo or on the digital one, where it is a... What, dude, you can buy a two terabyte hard drive for less than $50 right now. A six terabyte hard drive is under $100 right now. So, yeah, you can upgrade your TiVo and hold more on it. It is it is what it is. I, I don't know. I It is what it is, I guess. <laughs> I mean, it's also technically DRM-free, if you can even say that, because you can... Basically, take it, delete the commercials in there. You've got your full episode of a TV show. You don't have to pay for it on All iTunes. Right. Uh, next article, since we like we took a hard left there at that conversation. Um, next article. And this one, I don't really know how much we'll actually talk about the article and really just bitch about the game. But Star Citizen. See, I, I think I posted this one as well. And... I'm not going to actually bitch about the game because if you know me, you know that I don't think Star Citizen's an actual game. I don't think Squadron 42 is a game. I don't fucking care because they're never going to be released. And you can fucking take what I say to the goddamn bank. I don't fucking care at this point. But uh, really looking at this article, man, yeah, it's man. bad. Dude, it's, I'm gonna let you guys chime in because to me, I'm just like, wow, this it's is like a fucking. Well, we train weren't doing wreck. very well, so we're gonna switch it over to here. Oh yeah, we're gonna get a roadmap together. It's like, wait a second, 
you're going to get a roadmap together. <laughs> that That's your big plan. That's your big announcement. We're going to get a roadmap. We're going to get a mock-up of the proposed roadmap. That's your big, pl- that's what you're going to give us. Oh boy. This just, it, it sounds to me very similar to like Tesla going, all right, we're going to push out one of our electric cars. You're going to love it. And then two years later, oh, uh, we changed absolutely nothing, but the price went up a little bit because leather cost is higher. And then two years later, hey, guess what? In like three years, it'll be able to drive itself. I promise you this. And then you get to that three-year point and what? Our understanding of Tesla's autopilot is like a 15-year-old who just got its license effectively. Like, it's not the right move for Star Citizen. They shouldn't have announced that they were doing a roadmap. They should have just kept pushing out content as they planned on doing it and not give the their the players that want to play the game an unreasonable expectation to go, oh, well, I don't have to play until this point because that's the point where they're going to add something extra that I really want. I mean, the people that play Star Citizen literally look at it as, oh, this is a game that's like when, I don't know, like early 2000s, like everyone would joke around, oh, you're going to be able to play like virtual reality or something where it's like prison sim or space sim and you're gonna be this person living an alternate life in this other dimension because gaming and technology will go so far that's what star citizen is trying to be but they're putting a roadmap out is like telling you you gotta go to college if you want to succeed in any respect you can't start your own business unless you go to college have you read the article brother have you read the article okay like three days ago okay so it's not even what you're saying it is. They're not even, and I will quote it right here, while it's not quite ready, it's currently top priority on the web team's current project. In the immediate future, we plan to deliver the following communications. Yes, Number I one, missed that. Yes. Give an example <laughs> of the goals of of our new roadmap and what to expect from it. Number two, show a rough mock-up of the proposed new roadmap. Step number three, share a work-in-progress version of the roadmap for at least one of our core teams. Step four, and then finally, transition to a new roadmap. These dudes have no idea what the fuck they are doing. They don't have any plans to communicate anything. And then the best part is if you pay attention to this article, right? The big thing it was is, oh yeah, they're talking about it and they're talking about it and talking about it. This stuff was proposed two years ago and everybody bought into it and not a single thing has manifest from one of their four steps yet amazing (laughs) that's like saying you're gonna go through the 12-step program to quit alcohol but but step one is actually consider whether or not you need to quit alcohol step two contemplate whether that's a good decision step three Look at the practicality of quitting drinking. Step four, I I guess I can quit. (laughs) (laughs) It's messed up. It's real messed up.
All right, uh, we're going to skip forward to uh, another one here, which kind of goes in line with GNA and actually GNA Misadventure League. Um, I know, Damoc, that you really wanted to talk about this one. Um, really desperately wanted to talk about this one. Right, which one is this one? I know it's going to be a D&D thing, but I closed one of the articles because I was upset. Yeah, it's not the one you closed. I'm just joking. Nah, uh, this one's actually about Dungeons & Dragons launching an adventure game, uh, an adventure begins board game. Um, did you guys actually, I actually, this is one of the articles I actually read because I'm, I like Dungeons and Dragons. I, I read it too. I'm extremely excited for this. When you guys feel comfortable, I want to come down with just a shit ton of booze, liquor, great beer, and just spend an entire, entire two days trying to play well, through so as it's many really cool of these because campaigns this as we game can. is literally designed as a, it's. It's kind of like what Co was desperately looking for a few, actually probably a month or so now back, where he just wanted to play. Just wanted to play D&D. That's all he wanted to do. He just wanted to play. This board game looks to be that I just want to play. It's the equivalent of Dungeon Crawl. Right. Uh, so I did read the article, and I'm having a hard time connecting some of the dots here. Uh, it seems... Yeah, sure, it's a, here, let's play, but you can get the starter kit that comes with pre-made characters, blank character sheets, pre-made dungeons, and all of that for the same price already, so what's making the Dungeons & Dragons adventure begins? I got it. Four minifigures, four bosses, uh, four 20-sided die, 10-sided DM die. Uh, You know, it's got a whole reference of what it is, but... What is truly making this difference off or different off of the already you can straight jump into 5th edition D&D from a $20 box set and go forward and you can straight play and like you were mentioning Cecil because it's something that I truly like as well as Co. I like a dungeon crawl. I want to get in. I want to just fucking mop some shit up. I want to get my rewards at the end and move forward. Let me answer your question. So the big difference between this is that this is literally designed around, instead of it being one person being the DM and everybody else playing, this is designed around passing the DM around the table so everybody has a chance to be the DM as well. So it's a dungeon crawl, but it's not, it's not, a, it's not your oh. typical D&D game where one person has got all the stress and onus of being the game master. You actually pass it around. If this, I'm, I'm hoping this is the article that I read and that's what this is about, but you pass it around. And you have the choice of who your ending boss is going to be. So you've got multiple different ways that you can play it, multiple different times or, or multiple different hows you can play it. You know, So you get to the end and it's not just simply, oh, I'm fighting the same boss over again. It's It looks really interesting. Um, it looks like a really easy and quick way. The setup on it looks really quick and light. You don't have to have a lot of Dungeon and Dragons um, knowledge. They take all the lore and stuff and they really throw it aside so that, you know, like with the starter set, you still got to kind of have a little bit of D&D knowledge. Like you have to read the book and know what's going on in the background and kind of get started. But with this, it's it's literally just just take all of that that top all that high level stuff, the political, the the why am I doing this? And you just literally take it out and it's just like there's no there's no you have to go to the town it takes a lot of the role playing out of it and it's just it's the wake me up when you want to roll dice so one of the cool things i actually really liked about this is first of all like 
I'm very similar to Damoc. I love the dungeon crawl aspect. Like, it's fun to role play when you've got a, a core group together that meets consistently. But at the end of the day, if you don't have that, being able to just jump in and jump out on a dungeon crawl is awesome. And I wanted to add, I've been browsing through some subreddits and I've been browsing through some forums. People are already trying to integrate this game, even though it's not even out yet. Yeah. Into a full D&D experience where this is effectively your dungeon crawl so that, oh, uh, hey, guys, I know you're only available one weekend of the month. We've been doing this full campaign. When you come for this this single one, it's a dungeon crawl and we prepared for it and it's more simplified. So if you want to try a new character this time, you can, which is super cool. So I'm a little confused and I'm really honestly interested. You said that the, the DM quote-unquote bounces around a little bit and everything and it's not just a single person in charge but i'm reading through so the box set is gloomhaven and specifically this article is doing gloomhaven jaws of the line which is a like an expansion pack but you have pre-made characters you have preset everything it is a straight dungeon crawl it's a pre-made campaign and i'm all for it man when the fuck are we gonna play this game as a one-off for the you know the D&D games that we're doing. Shit. Let's let's play already. Yeah. Yeah. So right here, I'm going to quote right from here. Um, Adventure Begin players will also get a taste of what it's like to be a dungeon master with the role passing from player to player with each turn. Two to four players. Basically, the game seems like a dungeon crawler with simplified rules. That's what it is. I'm really excited about it because it's a way it's it's kind of one of those things of getting D&D to the masses, getting the fun parts, the really fun parts of D&D to the masses, and then allowing it to kind of grow into that, oh, there's other stuff too. Yeah, and I've I've been talking to friends about this who are really interested in getting into this. Um, and one of, the, one of the things we kind of talked about as a possibility is this could effectively be, oh, an off weekend or an off day that we get together for a session we do this instead. And it still fits into our primary lore that we're already working on with our main campaign. But it's like, these are dungeon crawlers for hire, effectively. Where each character pays their character to go do this so it fits in the lore so that they can have a break without it impacting their regular campaign. Which I think is really cool and that's an easy way where you don't have to touch a single rule of this board game and get all the experience for a more relaxed session. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm really, the thing that I'm really interested about for this is that there's, there's so many people who play D and D that are, um, they're apprehensive about being the dungeon master They're You know, they, they look at it like, Oh no, I can't be a dungeon master. I can't do all of that. And it's, it's, I think this is a great way of integrating that in and getting more, Getting people more comfortable with dungeon mastering versus always just constantly looking for, oh, I'm a player, I'm a player, I'm always going to be a player. And it allows other people, and, and even in your own group, if you've got a group that's getting together, you know, passing it off and saying, okay, well, you're going to be dungeon master this week. And letting them tell their own story and letting them kind of steer it and guide it. It's, it's an interesting concept. And I think it really is only going to I hope it's only going to expand on people's horizons on how they function in D&D and use it. Yeah, I just I hope at the end of the day, if 
if you aren't comfortable being the, the dungeon master and it passes the turn to you in this, that even if you just saw, I don't know really what I want to add, but a uh, ginormous dragon appears. Like, that's awesome. Like, and it provides an atmosphere where you don't have to put like days or weeks of effort into building a full campaign for your group to play. You can do yeah, it, I think, for a quick little five minutes. And everyone, I think, can do that. I think this is more tying around the dungeon master part of all the number crunching and stuff that you have to do to calculate it. Because since this is fo solely focused on the slight movements and a lot of the dice rolling for combat, I think that's where this is really going to target in on. And those people who are really apprehensive about, oh, I can't handle all the numbers. I can't handle that, that type of pressure. I think this is going to be one of those kind of openers where they can really explore that without too much pressure. All right. Question for the both of you. I'm going to let you go one at a time, obviously. Uh, we'll start with Vintage. Um, so looking at the new Dungeons & Dragons and everything that they've been doing with Dungeons & Dragons and the new 5th edition, as even what they did with 4th edition, and everybody who's been playing since the 80s going oh my god they're they're dumbing down the rules they're simplifying everything they're ruining the game they they do all this and they do all that and it's terrible and honestly my perspective is i see them making the game more accessible but yes i understand where they are not making the game as complicated as it used to be, which everybody could really get in depth. So my question after reading a lot of this, and I, I love a fucking dungeon crawl. I used to, when I played D&D for the first time, I am a wake me up for combat and don't fucking bother me because RPing is the gayest shit I've ever done in my life. Right. But now I, I'll do more RPing and I have a lot more fun. But uh, vintage, if you've played D&D in the past, how do you feel, uh, in a quick reference of, do you think the game is being dumbed down, or do you think the game is becoming more accessible? So I have a very simple answer to anyone that follows Call of Duty in general. The new Modern Warfare game that came out, a lot of people complained. Oh, they're making it more accessible to new players. They're, ma they're putting in skill-based matchmaking so that... These worse players get to be paired with worse players and the better players get to be paired with better players so that the people that are new to the game don't get absolutely wrecked the first time they play. I actually was all for that system because I think it, there's a, a direct comparison between Call of Duty today and D&D today. You go back a decade, a lot of people were playing D&D and that population has unfortunately just remained semi-stagnant over the last five to ten years, in my opinion. And that's the same thing with Call of Duty. I think they're taking a page out of Call of Duty's playbook, in a way, of saying, hey, this is easily accessible to a larger population. Sure, we're gonna piss off a few of the diehards, but at the end of the day, if it brings more people to the community, I think that's an overall positive. Because who doesn't want if you're already at a two or three person group, who doesn't want to have a couple more people that said, oh, I got into it because of the board game. I got into Call of Duty because of the new one. I'm so excited to play the next one or play the older ones. Like that to me is a really important part about jumpstarting a player base back in. Uh, I will quickly answer that. Um, 
I I think both. I think they are dumbing it down, and I think they are making it more accessible. Now, I I recognize by I I play three A. Even Merp was way more complicated. I recognize that there are a lot of people out there that are hardcore that need that really rigid structure of rules to be able to feel it's believable. Like if if I take this knife and I throw it over there and the wind is is blowing easternly at five knots, well, how difficult is that going to be when I do? Yeah, okay. If I if I need to be a mathematician to calculate out I'm attacking somebody, that's too complicated for a majority of people. Now, for a group for a group of people, it might be fantastic. And if you've got a dungeon master who's like that, and you've got a group of people who who like that type of detailed realism, I think that that works for them. I think for the for the larger group of people, they just want they they don't want to stop every attack and have to calculate out and and a battle that literally lasts in real time for about 30 seconds and it take an hour and a half to 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 figure out that battle. Now, when you're a, when you're a new DM or when you haven't DM'd in a while and you're and you're trying to learn new uh new rules, yeah, those battles that take 30 seconds still take an hour and a half to figure out because you're trying to figure it all out, and that's acceptable. But as you start getting better and better with the system, those battles take a lot less time. So for I'm an immersion player. If I'm taking too much time to figure out what's happening in a battle, I'm losing interest and I'm no longer immersed. So I think, yes, they are dumbing down the rules, but they are making it more accessible. And I think for those people that give it a chance they're allowing for better immersion on that note on that note vintage where can people find you i completely agree cecil uh usually and this is the first time i'm talking to both of you usually i kind of lurk the gna discord and i would repeatedly tell you guys don't find me you don't want to find me i started streaming in the last few months so you can find me at twitch.tv slash vintage dc uh, I lurk the Discord from time to time. I like to harass people or open myself up to harassment, as well as my own Discord, which I won't pimp on here because find me on here, ask me to go there. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Cool. Damoc, where can people find you, man? Uh, I exclusively troll the GNA Discord as, I believe, the ultimate shit talker. So, <laughs> yeah, you will absolutely find me there. And pretty much uh, nowhere else, because fuck you guys, you don't know where I live. And I'm Cecil Xavier, your host. You can find me on Cecil vs. Games on Twitter, uh, Cecil Xavier everywhere else, Ustream, Mixer, uh, Twitch. Actually, Mixer's gone, isn't it? Is it gone now? It's going away. If, if it's not going away, it's... if it's Oh, is it gone, gone? Yeah, so you can't find me there anymore. Uh, but you it's can find gone. me on Facebook, gone. which actually all my streams go there as well. Um, you can also find me on Tinder. Look at, look me up there. It's Cecil. Cecil. Just that Cecil. And I'm the tall guy. You can find me on Tinder. Just, just find me. Talk to me. Just match me. Swipe right six times, baby. Let's do this. Ultimate match. Yeah. Yeah. Just make sure to super like me. And, uh, yeah. Let's do that. I'm totally interested in everything and anything. Just find me on Grinder. I mean Tinder. I mean Tinder. But then we've got a website at www.onlyfans.com slash Damox sucks, baby. You look at my nudes. You're going to love my videos. Get it in there. $16 a month, but I'll show you everything. Dot com.
or GNAPodcast.com. It's, don't don't yeah. try and go to my OnlyFans site unless you really want to see Cecil's cock. And it's just it, it's just it's just a big piece of meat with a nail through it. That's all you get. That's a really good redirect, Damoc. I love it. <laughs> thank you for joining me tonight, guys. Have a great night. Oh man, thank you for having me. You uh, you beautiful bastard. I'll see you soon. This is a great show. Love you guys. Bye.